0: Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever been told or heard it doesn't really matter if you obey God or not, since He loves and forgives everyone? Most of us have heard this. However, Jesus has a different take on this. Jesus teaches that if we obey and follow Him, that's how we can experience His love, peace, and joy. For some of us, that might not make much sense, but Jesus is deeply committed to this and you as you follow Him. These are deep concepts we owe to ourselves to explore in order to have a more joy-filled experience of life. Here's Pastor Jim and the conclusion of his message, The Joy of Abiding Love. When we experience
1: His love, when we abide in His love, so it's a two-way street, that will make any sacrifice you give to Christ a joy and not a burden. Sometimes people will say to a pastor, they'll say, well, I hope to see you Sunday. And they go, I have to come, I'm serving. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, missing the point, loved ones, missing the point. When we give all, when we take all from Christ and we give all, serving the Lord is a joy, not a burden, because having experienced God's love, we are changed by love. Isn't there a radio show by that name? We are changed by love to serve our Savior. The scripture teaches that a follower of Jesus is being conformed into the image of Christ. Much of that will come. You'll start to see that in your life that comes out of abiding in Christ's love. And that is what much of the new birth is about, becoming one with Christ, beginning to experience a divine life of infinite love. Do you know what that is in store for the Christian? It is a divine life of infinite love. Now, some of you might say, okay, I'm I'm in. I want to abide. I want to experience that love. I want it. How do I do it? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, he says, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide, and the idea of that of that verb there is as I am forever abiding in his love. Read it again. It's a conditional statement. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. First John 4.19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. So I think logically we think of it this way, that the love of Christ for us created our love for him. And the more he loves us, the more love it creates in us. And Christ wants to love the world through us so he gives us so much love as the father loved him, that God's people should be people who are overflowing with love to serve others. Yet there's something very, very interesting here. Jesus says that he remained in his father's love through obedience. Oh no, Pastor Jim just used the O word. Yeah, that's what he said. In other words, Our obedience to Jesus, imperfect as it may be, is a demonstration of the reality of the love we have for God. Let's say that again. Our obedience to Jesus is a demonstration of the reality of the love we have for God. And as we've seen in previous studies, this... This type of abiding, this type of obeying, this type of loving is not passive. It is an active obedience to the ways and the will of God himself. And here in verse 10, <laughs> this is the funny thing about verse 10. By simply repeating what Jesus said. So if I just went out to talk to some Christians somewhere, and I happen to quote verse 10 to them without identifying it as the words of Jesus, simply by repeating what Jesus said, that if we keep his commandments, we will abide in his love, I will make a lot of enemies of many professing Christians who once they hear the word commandments and keeping them or obeying them, they wanna yell out, legalism, legalism. Some think that we are saved, our sins are forgiven, we'll end up in heaven, we get adopted by God. By strict obedience to the word of God. Not so. Not so. That's legalism. We're saved by grace, through faith, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by Jesus' perfect life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. It is the, the, what we call the work of Christ. That's how we are saved, and we respond to that. We receive the benefit of that by putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Others say, oh, those people are way off. You have to obey everything perfectly, and that's how you're going to get to heaven, or you go to heaven by being a good person. The Bible says none are good, no, not one. So other people will say it doesn't really matter. That's not right either. That's what we call license. So we have legalism on the one hand, and we have license on the other. Don't listen to those people. Don't. Listen to Jesus, who after we are saved by grace we are told there are obligations of the Christian life. Here, Jesus telling the 11 apostles, Judas is gone, presumably, that, that their obedience matters to God. It is an evidence that one is truly a follower of Jesus, truly a Christian. Again, people cry out, commandments, law, legalism, Keeping regulations to be saved, that's the opposite of the grace of God. Yes, in the grace of God in salvation, this is the grace of obedience. And and Jesus himself says here, in many other places as well, that he lived according to the commandments of God. To ignore what Jesus is saying here, to disregard what Jesus is saying here, is to choose not to walk in the way of Jesus. And if we're not walking in the way of Jesus, what way are we walking? There's only two options. We're walking in the way of the world, even though it might look religious, even though it might look Christian. You see, Jesus and the Father are one, which means that the commands of both the Father and the Son are one in the same. The Father and Son are on the the same page. Jesus is teaching us that we must obey the Lord in order to abide. First John 5, 3, the whole epistle, the letter of John, 1 John is a lot of is about this stuff, about abiding. And he wrote this: For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Hmm, what's he saying? It's being very plain with us. And His commandments are not burdensome. Isn't that an interesting statement? Is that really what you think most Christians think? His commandments are not burdensome. Well, if you're abiding, if you're empowered by the spirit and the word of God, in that sense, they won't be burdensome. If you're walking in the way of Jesus, they won't be burdensome. If you're walking in the way of the world, the way of the flesh, they're going to be very, very burdensome. So here's, the, again, another soul-searching question. Do we want to keep his commandments? Knowing that abiding is tied to that. Do we want to do that? Now, interesting, you go, well, are we sure Jesus really meant that? Well, he actually said this three times in chapter 14. He says it here. He'll say it again in verse 14 in this chapter. That's five times in a chapter and a half. It's how we grow in his love and how we grow in his strength. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you. What are these things? I believe it's verses one through 10. These things I have spoken to you, and then another staggering statement. <laughs> I mean, the, verse nine, I'm still, I'm still quaking over verse nine, that, that he compares our love and, and you know, his love for us and the father's love for him in, in the same sentence. But he says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So he want, Jesus says, I want my joy in you and my joy in you will mean that your joy potentially can be experienced as being full or complete. So he's saying if we abide in him, if we abide in Christ, if we obey Christ, this is what he's telling us in verses 1 through 10, that we will bear much fruit, he told us. We will experience answered prayer. These are things we covered in previous weeks. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he promised that we would experience his peace. In verse 10, which I reserve the right to come back to because we really need to understand the connection between obeying God and experiencing his love. And so he says, if we obey him, we will experience his love. And now Jesus promises that a fruit of the abiding life is what he calls my joy. A joy that can carry the apostles through what they're about to go through. It's going to get really tough for them. A joy that can carry all of us as well, both now, through the rest of our lives, and all the way into eternity. This joy was for Jesus and is for us a fruit of obedience A joy that was found in Jesus and can be found in you as well. John 17, 13, Jesus is praying, two chapters from this, to his father before the cross. And Jesus says this, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they, he's talking about his followers, talking about you and me too, that they have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So part of Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, part of Jesus dying on the cross was for your joy. So his joy could be your joy. So his joy could be my joy. So his joy could be the church's joy. This is one of the reasons why I'm I'm, I'm often banging the drum that church needs to be more joyful. (laughs) We, We don't want to be a bunch of sourpusses. We want to come in and we want to be like, wow, this is great. This is why abiding is so important. You see, a fact of the Christian life is when we don't abide, I'll just say there's two things we become prey to. There's many things, but I'll just pick out two. When we don't abide and we're not full of his joy, we are very prone and easily sucked in by joy stealers. You know what joy stealers are, don't you? Circumstances, people, whatever. If we're not abiding. Also, when we are not abiding, when we are not close, we are not, when we don't have the Lord's joy we are very susceptible to giving in to habitual sin. We all have indwelling sin, and we, it, it's fought off by abiding in Christ, by experiencing the joy of the Lord. And so when we allow joy stealers, when we're not abiding, when we find ourselves in sin, our joy disappears. Or it's phony at best. Let me me give you a great example of this. I think one of the best examples of this in the scripture. King David sinned with Bathsheba. If you don't know the story, you can read it about it in the life of David. And he went after another man's wife, then had that guy killed on the battlefield. The woman was pregnant, the baby died. And his friend, the prophet Nathan comes to him and calls him out on his sin. This is what David said in Psalm fifty-one, twelve. Uh, he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now, do I think that King David lost his salvation? No, I don't. I think through his sin and the compounding of the sin, trying to cover it up, trying to cover it up, trying to cover it up, he lost the joy of his salvation. So you can have salvation, but you can also have a joyless salvation. The apostle Peter is about to experience it in just a matter of hours. He's gonna forget his identity, who, who he is. So how do you lose the joy of your salvation? By failing to abide and by failing to obey. Living this way, had become for King David and will be for us a guilt-ridden, depressed, and bitter life. That's why he so articulated it so well. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I need your help in this. Now, we can't expect the Lord to help us with that if we're not, gonna, if we're not determined to abide and we're not termine, determined to turn from that sin. Verse 11 here, in chapter 15, we see Jesus' goal is that the the cup or your cup of joy, my cup of joy, may be full. Not like, here, I'll take a little taste of it. Not at all. He says, I want to fill your cup to the brim. Some versions say complete, not partial. Not like, well, I'll give you some of my joy and some later. You know, you better get it together. This is so unlike the temporary happiness of this world. You see, the the Lord does not want his people walking around 24-7 with long faces, always defeated, and hopeless. Now, let me just stop for a second and clarify something so you don't mistake what I'm saying. That doesn't mean there's not a place in our lives for lamenting. We're going to talk about that some on Wednesday night. There, the Bible teaches, the scripture is clear. There are times in our lives for regret, for grief, and for sorrow. We're not saying that. We're not saying be phony, you know, like, oh, how you doing? Oh, i am just got the joy of the Lord. Yeah, well, I heard your, you know, your house burned down and everybody died and you, know, and you lost your job and your dog hates you and you know, it's like a country music song or something like that and you're just faking it that everything's fine. That's not what we're talking about. There is a place for all of these things. They call Jesus the man of sorrows. The Scripture says he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, yet always experiencing the presence of his heavenly father. In light of verse 10, Jesus shares his joy as the apostles, as we share in his selfless obedience to the word of God. You didn't see Jesus walking around and go, well, it's about me and my personal relationship with God. When people say that stuff, you're like, what are you talking about, man? Yes, you do have a personal relationship with God, but it's public. See, the joy of the Lord cannot come, friends, when we are half-hearted towards the ways of God. The joy of the Lord comes when we are doing our best with God's help to live the cross-centered life. And that's going to involve a lot of times living a life that other people, other than God, he's not a person, but other people are not going to see. My primary role here at the church is teaching, which means that a lot of my time is spent studying, preparing, thinking of the right way to say things, to make things Easily understood by people. Trying to take the complex things of Scripture and not making them simplistic, but making them simple to understand, so you can grab a hold of them. That means a lot of my time is spent in that. Nobody sees that. Pam sees that. She's walking by the office. You know, I hang the sign out sometimes. Beware of the dog. And and the Lord sees that. And your life is going to be much of the same. God does not want us living a cheerless, always unhappy existence. No, he wants to give us a supernatural joy, which is a fruit of the abiding life. Now, before you discount me, I wanna remind all of us of an incredible truth that is happening right now in this passage. Jesus is talking about his joy that he wants to share with the apostles. He is going to die on the cross the very next day. And he knows it. And yet, he's still able to talk about his joy. He is on the edge of the darkest day for humanity. The next day, humanity will be seen at its ultimate worst. Humanity is going to do its best To kill God. Still trying today. But they're going to have him right there. And he's still. He's going to be nailed to a cross. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be separated from his heavenly father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's still able to talk about joy. He is still experiencing the joy of his father. And he still is a selfless servant of the kingdom of heaven. And that's what joy is about. In Nehemiah chapter 8, they broke out the word of God. And they read the word of God. And then they explained to the people what the text meant. And the people started weeping. In Nehemiah 18, it says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you weak today? You need the love of God experience through obedience to God, and you will get the joy of the Lord. Jesus shows us by virtue of when he is saying this, that joyful living is is not a life depending upon circumstances, it is found in depending upon the word of God, the Lord himself, and his promises. That will remove a lot of fear and doubt in your life. Not all of it, but you keep coming back to the Lord. There's a reason why do not be afraid is probably the most popular command in all of the Bible. But it will also restore to you the joy of the Lord's salvation. Why? Because we are the branches connected to the vine. And what is the vine pumping into us? Life, life love, power to obey, and joy. In John 17, when Jesus was praying, he he, he called out to the Father for, for the experience of your joy, for the experience of my joy. And Jesus also calls out to you from the cross, and he calls out to all of us from this text. Jesus calls out to us now from heaven and as we abide in him, as we stay close to him, as we get into the word of God and get the word of God into us, he cries out to us an offer for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and the joy of his salvation. Do you believe that? Do you trust him with that? If you're not a follower of Jesus, do you, do you believe that Jesus can wipe away all of your sins? Do you believe that Jesus can can take you and give you a new heart towards loving him? Do you believe that Jesus can give you a new identity? And if you're a follower of Jesus, do you believe that the joy of Jesus can be yours, even in the darkest of moments, even in the darkest of times? As we said before, abiding in grace takes grace-motivated effort. And even when you're trying and, and you're, not experiencing his joy, we can always thank God that it's available to us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, very famous verse says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That joy was the joy of obeying the father, that joy was what was in store for him in heaven, being seated at the right hand of God. That joy was also making his joy available to you. Do you want that joy? Christ wants to make you. Christ wants to make me. Christ wants to make our church a branch that abides in the vine and bears fruit, a branch that experiences The joy of abiding love will cultivate more joy in themselves and more joy in others. Can you see it? I totally can see it. I totally can see it. If you want that joy right now, open up your heart to Jesus and set your mind on abiding in Jesus and obeying him. If you're not a follower of Jesus... Turn to God. Put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And begin the journey of the discovery of the love and joy of the Lord. And may that love, may that joy
0: be your strength. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.